Psalm 105. O give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, sing to him, sing praises to him, speak of all his wonders, glory in his holy name. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his face continually. Remember his wonders which he has done, his marvels and judgments uttered by his mouth. O seed of Abraham, his servant, O sons of Jacob, his chosen ones, he is the Lord our God, his judgments are in all the earth. He has remembered his covenant forever, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations. The covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac. And he confirmed it to Jacob for a statute. To Israel as an everlasting covenant. Saying to you, I will give the land of Canaan as the portion of your inheritance when, when there were only a few men in number. Very few. And strangers in it. And they wandered about from nation to nation and from kingdom to another people. He permitted no man to oppress them. And he reproved kings for their sakes. Do not touch my anointed ones. Do not harm prophets. Do not do my prophets no harm. And he called for a famine upon the land. He broke the whole staff of bread. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They afflicted his feet with fetters. He himself was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him, the ruler of peoples, and set him free. He made him lord of his house, the ruler over all his possessions. To imprison his princes at will that he might teach his elders wisdom. Israel also came into Egypt. Thus Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham, and he caused his people to be very fruitful and made them stronger than their adversaries. He turned their heart to hate his people, to deal craftily with his serpents. He sent Moses, his servant, and Aaron, whom he had chosen. They performed his wondrous acts among them, and miracles in the land of Ham. He sent darkness and made it dark. And they did not rebel against his words. He turned the waters into blood. He caused their fish to die. He, their land swarmed with frogs, even in, their cha in the chambers of their kings. He spoke, and there came a swarm of flies and gnats in all their territory. He gave them hell for rain and a flaming fire in their land. He struck down their vines, also their fig trees. He shattered the trees of their territory. He spoke and locusts came in young locusts, even without number, and ate of all vegetation in their land, and ate of all the fruit of their ground. He also struck down all the firstborn in their land, the first fruits of all vigor. Then he brought them out with silver and gold. And among his tribes, there was not one who stumbled. Egypt was glad when they departed, for the dread of them had fallen upon them. 
He spread a cloud for a covering and a fire to illuminate by night. He asked and he brought quail. He satisfied them with the bread of heaven. He opened the rock and water flowed out. It rained, ran in the dry places like, like a river. For he remembered his holy word with Abraham his servant. And he brought forth his people with joy. His chosen ones with a joyful shout. He gave them also the lands of the nations, that they might take possession of the fruit of the people's labor, so that they might keep his statutes and observe his laws. Praise the Lord. That, saints, is the movement from Genesis to Exodus. That, saints, is the story of us. That, saints, is one of the greatest stories ever told. Saints of God, the history of man, great stories have been told. Stories in which people write books about, movies about, talk about. And saints of God, we as a church now, have the privilege of walking through one of the great stories that the Bible gives to us. The Exodus. The story of the Exodus is such a great story that even Hollywood, a pagan institution, has made a myriad of movies about it. You may remember in 1956, the movie The Ten Commandments came out. And upon its initial release, it grossed over $120 million. In 1998, I remember as a child going to see this cartoon. It was an animation movie called The Prince of Egypt. And at that time, it was one of the highest grossed movies not made by Disney. Why is Hollywood so fascinated with the story or rather this story in the Bible. Why are movies, even recently, a movie came out on, Ex- on, the, on Exodus. Why is Hollywood so interested in this story? Well, saints of God, maybe it's because the story of the Exodus is a classic story between good and evil. It, it's one of those stories that we love to hear about between right versus wrong. About someone in power that is evil and one that rises up who cares for the people. If you're reading your Bible and if you began with Genesis, you see many things. For one, you see the creation of the world and you're introduced to our first parents, Adam and Eve. You see then the struggle between good and evil between Cain and Abel. You then meet a man of faith. We call him Noah. Who builds an ark and you see God destroying the earth while also restoring the earth. You then are introduced to three men. The three fathers of the church. The the three patriarchs, we can call them. Abraham, Isaac, 
and Jacob. And then you meet a man named Joseph. You meet a man named Joseph and you really have this biography put on display where where in some you can say Joseph's life is a story of a man who went from the pit to the palace. And as you leave Genesis, you then enter a different world. You then enter a world that if you close your eyes, you can picture it. You can see the sands. You can see the pyramids. You, you enter a world that it seems larger than life because you are introduced to people that are larger than life. As we begin our journey through this great story today, I won't preach long, maybe 15, 20 minutes. I just want to give you a brief introduction to the Exodus with just three short points. Number one, who wrote Exodus? Number two, who is Exodus written to? And number three, what it's about. Number one, who wrote it? Number two, who's it written to? And number three, what's it about? Number one, who wrote Exodus? Simple answer. Controversial when you get more into the weeds, but simple answer. Moses. Moses wrote Exodus. And the date of the writing of Exodus, we don't know. Maybe 13th century, maybe the 15th century. It's up for debate. But what makes Exodus unique is that Exodus is written from a person who was actually there. You see, unlike maybe the Gospel of St. Luke, he goes around and he tells others, did this happen? Did this happen? When we read the Exodus, we're reading it from the vantage point of a person who saw it all, who was actually there, who saw the water turn to blood, who saw the water split in half, who, who saw the plagues, who saw everything. And he writes it down for us. In short, what we have in the Exodus then is we have a true eyewitness account of what happened. Number two, who is it written to? Who is, it written, who is Exodus written to? If you were to ask a Jewish person or a person practicing Judaism, they will say, well, Exodus is written to and for us. To and for us. It's written for the people of Israel, for the Jewish people. And while it's tempting not to agree with them, we must see the story of the Exodus, not as a Jewish story, but as a Christian story. The book of the Exodus is not a Jewish story. It's not a story of the Israelites, per se. It is a story of the Christian church. Yes, while the story of the Exodus is what defines the Jewish people's very existence, the Exodus is not exclusively written to the nation of Israel. Rather, the Exodus is written to and for the Christian church. The Exodus, saints of God, is written for you. It is written to you. 
not saints of God, or rather, we treat the Exodus like all the books and letters we treat in the Word of God. Not as a Jewish document. What you have on your lap or what you may have on your phone is not a Jewish document. It's not a document of Judaism. What you have in front of you on your phone is not something that we read and then we try to interpret or rather reinterpret and we try to Christianize when we get the New Testament. You know, commentators say that we do that. They say that we read the Old Testament as a Jew and we read the New Testament as a Christian. And then what we do is we try to reinterpret all the Jewish stuff in light of all the Christian stuff. No, 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 no. All of the word of God is a Christian document. We don't reinterpret the Old Testament, but the Old Testament is on its own terms a Christian document. Let me just say also, I don't hate Jews. And Pastor Antonio doesn't hate Jews. None of us hate Jews. We're just trying to be right. And we're trying to be correct in how we interpret things. There are Jewish believers, saints of God. And we pray that a multitude, if not the whole nation of Israel, would turn and believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. But that is to say, the Bible is a Christian document. Moses is not the savior of the Jewish people. But rather, Moses is merely foreshadowing someone. More technically speaking, he's a type. He is a picture. He is merely someone who points to a greater Savior. Moses points to Jesus Christ, who doesn't just save a small nation. He saves the whole world. The Exodus event itself is not something that we look back on and we celebrate. We don't post pictures of the Exodus. But rather, saints of God, the Exodus is meant to teach us something about a greater event. Something that if you think this is good, wait to see, or wait till you see what comes behind Moses. (laughs) If you think Moses is a great savior, and if you think Pharaoh is a big bad wolf, Wait till you see who Jesus takes down. Wait till you see what God does in Christ. So when we come to the book of Exodus, as a book, we must interpret it as a book written by God for and to the people of God. A book written by God for and to the people of God. Which means, saints... That we don't look at the Exodus just as we didn't look at Genesis as an ancient story of no relevancy. We are tempted to do that, are we not? The Old Testament, we just see them as ancient relics. That there really isn't no relevancy for me today. And saints of God, we must see the Exodus as practical. Why? Because that's how I'm going to preach it. I'm not interested in turning over every single rock, giving you every single date, giving you the background of every single person. You can read a commentator for that. That's what commentators are for. 
I'm a preacher and I preach the word of God. What I'm to do and tasked to do is to open to word of, open the word of God, preach it faithfully as I could, while also at the same time allowing the Lord to teach us lessons within the story. Saints of God, then, we must see Israel's story as but a picture of our story. We are Israel in this story on a spiritual level. Meaning God rescuing and redeeming Israel is but a picture of God rescuing and redeeming us. I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know. But also, church, Israel's failures are a lesson for us as well. What they went through and the failings that they went through, oh, saints of God, we might be tempted to say, how could they do that? How can they turn to a golden calf? How can they groan and complain after God brought them out of Egypt? Saints of God, we do that every day. Every day. Every single day. We must be weary of, we must be aware of what they, what they did and what they did not do. But saints of God, before we end this point, I just want to show you, think of the way in which the Bible commentates on the Exodus. Let me just give you an example. When St. Paul wanted to exhort the Corinthians to preserve, persevere in the faith, what does he do? He reminds them of the Exodus. 1 Corinthians 10, 1-2 For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And then in the next verses, St. Paul draws a connection between Israel's salvation and our salvation that we have in Christ. He says they all ate the same spiritual food, drank the same spiritual drink. They drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. And then in verse 11, St. Paul went on to explain how, despite the fact that God saved them from the wilderness, Israelites turned away from God and perished. He says, now these things happened to them as an example. But they were written down for our instruction. In other words, church, what St. Paul is saying is, they're an example for you. And what we have in Exodus is written for you. Learn from them. Learn from their mistakes. Oh, we're going to learn a lot about ourselves when we go through Exodus. We're going to try to search the very deep corners of our own hearts. Intent, Exodus then is intended for our spiritual benefit. Since the Exodus is a story of deliverance from bondage, from a work of a Savior, then we can say the Exodus is a story of the Christian life. It is the gospel in the Old Testament on a grand scale. We too, like the Israelites, although we were once slaves of sin, have now been set free from sin. Saints of God, Pastor Antonio often says, and I said it last week, <clears throat> if you're sick and tired of hearing of how you were a slave to sin and now free in Christ, then don't come on Sundays in the afternoon and hear about the Exodus. Because in many ways, you're going to be hearing that every Sunday. You're going to be hearing about how you once were in shackles and now you have wings. How you once were in bondage 
And now you're free. And now you are free. As we walk through Exodus, we will see the church needed exactly what the Israelites needed. We needed a liberator, not a man, and not just any man, but God to save us from slavery and destroy our enemies. We, we needed a provider, and not a man, but God to feed us bread from heaven and water from the rock. We needed a lawgiver, and not one that comes from any judicial power, and not comes from any president, and not from the finger and the hand of man. But we need it from the finger of God, and we have that. We also need one to be with us, not a prophet. Oh, but as you will see, what the tabernacle represents. God with his people. God with us. The third and final point. The third and final point. What is the Exodus about? What's it about? Who written it? Who wrote it? Moses. Who's it written to? Us, the church. Now, what is this story all about? The word Exodus, exit, means departure. It means to go from some place to another. The story of the Exodus is a story of a departure, an epic journey from slavery to salvation. The Exodus then was the great miracle of the Old Testament, where the Psalms and the prophets would look back at God delivering them from the bondage of slavery. The book of Exodus has five main points. Exodus chapters 1 through 2. Is concerned with primarily the deliverance of Israel from Egypt. First, we are seeing the need for the divine law, which, which, which sees itself out. It's illustrated in the Egyptians' cruelty and moral blindness. Second, we are told that God is the Lord, who has revealed himself to Moses and commissioned him as a prophet. Third, the, the liberation of the Israelites from Egypt It functions sort of as a teaching lesson for us. Oh, I cannot wait till we get to this time when God shows himself off to the world once again. Because he shows us all of who he is. He shows us, saints of God, that he is the one true God and creator of all. Finally, the ceremonial Ceremony of the Paschal Lamb in Exodus 12 is meant to teach us the various ways Israel was to worship the Lord. Also foreshadowing us the perfect Lamb that's to come, Jesus Christ. Exodus 13 through 18 is concerned with the experience of Israel in the wilderness. From the Red Sea to the very foot of Mount Sinai. This section is meant to illustrate the Israel, the Exodus from, or going out uh, from Exodus to the Gentile nations, which prepares us and prepares the Israelites to enter into their land of rest. As one commentator says, this section of scripture is especially symbolic of the later life of Israel. As a people who must continually recognize their absolute dependence upon God. Exodus 12 through 24 takes place at Mount Sinai. 
And it's concerned with the giving of the covenant and the law. Exodus 24, 12-18 serves as a transition that closes the book of the covenant and prepares for the giving of the ceremonial and cultic laws of the tabernacle and temple. Exodus 25-31 is concerned with the cultic rituals of the people of Israel. In them, we see things like the theology of the ark and tabernacle, of, of sacrifice, of the priesthood, all the accoutrements of Israel religious ceremonies. And in there, in there, we see our Jesus Christ beginning to shine and shine and shine and shine and grow larger and grow larger and grow larger as all these things point forward to the work of our Savior. And lastly, Exodus 32 through 34 is concerned with the fall and restoration of Israel, ending with this glorious, glorious news that God tabernacles and dwells with his people. With all that said, there are two main focal points of the Exodus. If someone was to tell you who the ex- what's the Exodus about, just say two persons. Sorry, two persons. Two persons. The story of the Exodus is not about Israel or Moses. It's not about Pharaoh or Egypt. It's not about pyramids or sand. It's not about Aaron. It's not about plagues. But the main star of the Exodus is God. God. God is the main actor. God is the star in this movie. God and God alone is whom Exodus is about. If you want to know about God, technically speaking, a theology proper, read Exodus. Read Exodus. The Exodus is not about a people who were enslaved but now free. It's so easy for us to say that, right? It's about, simply put, let my people go. No, 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 no. The Exodus ain't about a people. The Exodus is about a God who saves his people. That's what Exodus is about. Not a people, but God who frees his people from bondage and slavery. Therefore, then, the story of the Exodus is first and foremost a story and really an autobiography, a theology proper on God. As we read the Exodus, we discover that the real hero of the story is not Moses, it's not Aaron, but it's God. The God who reveals himself to Moses as the great I am. The God who hears the cries of his people in bondage and takes pity on their suffering. The God who raises up one, this unlikely person, to be the savior and deliverer of his people. The God who brings plagues on Egypt. The God who divides the sea. Divides the sea. The God who drowns Pharaoh's army. The God who provides bread from heaven and water from a rock. The God who gives the law covenant on the mountain and fills the tabernacle with his glory. The God who says, I will do this. And surely it will come to pass. Oh, saints of God, are you happy you serve that type of God? From beginning to end, 
Moses is, or rather Exodus is a God-centered book. To read Exodus then, saints of God, is to encounter God. To read Exodus, saints of God, is to live the life of Moses, as the great graveyard of Nyssa says. It is to climb Mount Sinai. And it's there where we enter into the very darkness of God. Whereas all, all the saints have said is where God dwells. You will climb Mount Sinai with the Lord's help. And through this, you will enter into the darkness of God. You, you will see God's transcendence like you've never seen it before. You will see his power like you've never seen it before. You will see his utter unknowability like you've never seen. But you also you will also see his utter incomprehensibility. Like, but you will also see his utter faithfulness like never before. You will see his love. You will see his mercy. You will see his justice. You will see his glory like never before. To read the Exodus then is to have a front row seat to watch God on display. To watch God on display. In fact, when the biblical writers, when they recall the Exodus, you notice, even when I read Psalm 105, they never mentioned Moses' name as one who delivered, but rather it was all about God, what God did. Second and lastly, and then we'll close, there's also another star in the movie. Another star in the movie. His name doesn't appear one time, but he's everywhere. It's Jesus Christ. Although his name is not there, although he doesn't have a leading role, Jesus is on every single page of the Exodus. To read the Exodus then is to read not only a story of God, but of a story of his Christ. It's to read a story of not only your salvation, but also the one who brings you salvation. It is to read about the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we say that often, right? The whole book's about, the, about Jesus Christ. All the Bible is. But saints of God, that can be no more true than when we read the Exodus. The Exodus from start to finish is about the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we must interpret Exodus in a what's called Christ-centered way. The Exodus, like I said, is not a book written for Jews, but it's written for you, Christians. Christ-Christians. And we must see the Exodus not as a Jewish event, but as a Christian event. Jude went so far to tell his readers that Jesus saved a people out of the land of Egypt. After the resurrection, when Jesus talked to his disciples on the road to Emmaus, you remember what he said? He says, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, things concerning himself. Meaning, you want to know about me, you read the Exodus. In many ways, the Exodus set the pattern for the life of Christ. Like Moses, Jesus was born to be a savior and was rescued from his enemies at birth. Like the children of Israel, Jesus passed through the waters of baptism. Also, like the Israelites who wandered in the desert for 40 days or 40 years, Jesus 
went out into the wilderness for 40 days. Upon his return and went up to the mountain to give the eternal law, the eternal meaning of the law. Just as Moses went up to the mountain to receive the law. There are many ways in which the death of Christ follow the pattern of the Exodus. Let me just give you one example. You remember in his transfiguration? He goes on high. You remember the two people he sees? He's with them. Moses and Elijah. And it's interesting, saints of God, that Luke says this. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure. You might say, now what's the big deal about that? Well, the word for departure is another word for exodus. It's highly fitting for Moses to be with him. (laughs) And what do you think they were talking about? They were talking about Christ's exodus. They were talking about his turn to pass. They were talking about when Jesus Christ will give himself over to be that perfect spotless lamb. Blood that will not cover our doorposts, but it will cover the souls of his people. Saints of God, to read Exodus then is to read about Christ. It's to read about his life, death, and resurrection. It's to read when the Lord would pass through the deep waters of death to deliver his people from bondage to sin and take them to the glory land. This church explains why Jesus was crucified at Passover. Because he was our Passover lamb who takes away the sins of the whole world. With all these connections with Christ show that the Exodus is not just a story of salvation. But it is the story of salvation. It's, you, you, you don't just have saints of God as you do in some you know, verses of the Bible. One little you know, foreshadowing of salvation. All of the book foreshadows our salvation in Christ. Israel's deliverance from Egypt ultimately anticipated our deliverance in Jesus Christ. So in summary, saints, the Exodus is a story about God and his Christ. It's a story of God saving us for himself and to himself. As one commentator said, the Exodus is a movement from, is a movement from Egypt into the desert and toward the promised land. This is a symbol of the church who is in a pilgrimage in this world. Through the power of grace of Christ and in view of the eternal life in the world to come. To read Exodus then, saints of God, is to have on our lips what Pastor Antonio exhorted us to pray this morning. Lord, come. Lord, take us to be where you are. It's a movement, saints of God, of slavery that will ultimately lead to God dwelling with his people. And here's the great news about the Exodus. Here's the great news about us living on this side of redemptive history. Is that a tabernacle was built that symbolized God with his people. But saints of God, as it was said this morning, now God lives inside of us. Now God is really, really, truly with us. Oh, saints of God, I pray for you. I am wondering, be honest with you, if I can preach to this book. Truthfully, 
I'm wondering if I can really do what I think in my head I can do. And while I'm wondering those things, I'm also wondering if you can pray. I'm wondering if you can pray for me continually. I'm wondering if you can keep me in your mind throughout the week, through your days, as I am preparing this book. So, saints of God, let us together, with the Lord's help, take this wonderful journey that will, I'm sure, be a blessing for all of us. Let's pray.